each and every one of us do some introspection this morning and, uh, and measure and try to somehow uh, gauge our love for you in these few moments together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. We come to a scene here in this passage where Jesus meets one-on-one with Simon Peter. And uh, we just read in the, in the passage just a moment ago that this was the third time that Jesus met with the disciples as a group since the resurrection. Of course, uh, the first time they were, uh, they were there, but Thomas wasn't. And then the second time Thomas was there with them. And uh, this, uh, this third time that Jesus meets with all the disciples, uh, they, were, they were on a fishing vessel. They were, uh, they were out fishing. And, uh, and of course, many of the disciples, or several of the disciples, I should say, uh, their, uh, their trade before they began to follow Christ was that of, of fishing. And so they were not, uh, that nothing, it wasn't as if they were uh, doing it for pleasure. <clears throat> in fact, earlier in the chapter, Peter looked at everybody and said, I go fishing. And uh, some Bible teachers and preachers and Bible scholars, uh, you know, take from that that Peter was saying, "Hey, I've had enough of this disciple thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going back to the old way of life." Now, whether or not that was Peter's intent or not, I don't know. <clears throat> the Bible's not clear on that. But we do know that the disciples were on this fishing vessel, and the Bible says that they fished all night and caught nothing. They fished all night and caught nothing. I don't know about you, but that is discouraging. How many fishermen do we have in here this morning? Uh, all right. Uh, you know, I, uh, I don't call, I, I've been fishing many times, but I don't call myself a fisherman uh, because fishermen usually catch fish. And, um, and there's a problem with that when it comes to my fishing ability. I'm not sure what, what the issue is. But, uh, but I want you to notice back earlier in the chapter, uh, it, said, uh, it said in verse uh, number four, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered him, No. So get the scene, if you will. The disciples are in the boat. <clears throat> They'd fished all night. They'd caught nothing. And Jesus, uh, when the morning was come, he's standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he hollers out to them. He, he cries out to them. He said, Children, have you any meat? Uh, and let me interpret that, uh, if I may, uh, without doing the scriptures any harm. Are you catching anything? Are you catching anything? And uh, now, these men were, uh, were, were brutally honest. When a fisherman says, I haven't caught anything, that's bad. <laughs> Usually, when you ask a fisherman <clears throat> if he's caught anything, he wants to tell you about the one that got away. I haven't caught him yet, but you should have seen him. He was right there at the edge of the boat, and he was this big. And uh, uh, that, that's usually the way it goes with fishermen. But Jesus said, Children, have you any meat? And in verse, uh, verse 6, And they said unto him, uh, I'm sorry, uh, they, they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the, of the ship, and ye shall find it. They cast therefore, and now they were, able, they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And when we uh, read a little bit further down the, in the passage, you find that there was 153 fish in the net. Man, that's pretty good. Jesus said, hey, are you catching anything? No, sir, not a thing. He said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, <clears throat> they must have been desperate because they, again, we don't have any indication at this particular time that they knew who it was that was talking to them from the shore. And, but they said, hey, why not? <laughs> Nothing else has worked. So they cast it on the other side of the boat. <clears throat> and lo and behold, there's full of fishes. Full of them. Now, once you see something, they come to shore. 
And notice in verse number 9, it says, when, And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire and coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Jesus, had, he was ready for them. He had uh, he'd everything, everything uh, set up for them, and, and uh, he, uh, he, he was cooking uh, on the shore for them once they got there. And they sat down, and I can picture the meal, and I can picture the, uh, the gathering of the disciples with the Savior there after his resurrection. But I want you to notice a conversation that happened after dinner that night. In verse number 10, or verse number 11, it says uh, that Simon Peter went up and drew the net for, uh, of great uh, fishes. I tell you what, skip down to... Uh, Skip down to verse number uh, 15. I'm, I'm sorry. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? I can just see the scene as the disciples kind of dispersed a little bit after dinner that night. And Jesus makes a point to go talk to Simon individually. And he says, Simon, can I talk to you for a minute? Now, Simon Keep in mind, just a few days before, had denied the Lord. Just a few days before this scene here, the night before Jesus was to be crucified, Simon was found warming his hands by the devil's fire. It was Simon who was asked the question by a damsel, and when she said, Hey, aren't you one of those disciples? Aren't you one of those men that followed Jesus everywhere he went? Aren't you one of those, uh, uh, one of those Galileans who, who, who was with this Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And then uh, 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 once again, uh, someone else said, Hey, I know who you are. You were with him. And he vehemently denied Christ. And, and, of course, Jesus had predicted this was going to happen. He told Peter, he said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. It's going to happen, Peter. And, of course, Peter was very, uh, very adamant about it. Oh, no, he said, he said, I would never deny you. I would never do that, Christ. But yet, he fulfilled the prophecy of our Savior. You know, I can imagine there was a measure of shame that Peter felt as he remembered that he had forsaken the Savior during his darkest hour on earth. Peter had been guilty of denying the Lord several times during the night before Jesus was crucified. He was questioned about his relationship with Christ, and he refused to be identified with, with the Savior. In Matthew 26 and verse 56, it says, But all this was done, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Hey, it wasn't just Peter. The only, per the only disciple that you see present at the cross was John. All the rest of them had gone. They left they took tail and ran. They, hey, they understood the fact, hey, they're crucifying our Savior. They're crucifying our leader. What are they, they going to do to us? But I want you to see something. Jesus sits down with Peter and he says to Peter, quite simply, Simon, do you love me? Lovest thou me more than these? And I don't know, maybe they were sitting down and they were finishing up there, and of course Simon or Peter was the fisherman, and Jesus, uh, they had just finished eating fish, and Jesus perhaps looks down at the, the leftovers, and he said, Simon, do you love me more than, than these, these fish? You see, Simon was one of those fishermen. He was one of those, that was his former life. That was what he used to do. That's how he made his living. That's what he forsook when Jesus came and called him three years before this and said, Hey, come follow me, Peter. And Peter left his nets and he went and followed the Savior. And now Jesus looks at Peter and he said, Peter, I know you denied me a few days ago. And I know things aren't really the, the way they used to be between you and I. But Peter, I have a question for you. 
Lovest thou me more than these? What a question. What an amazing question. And I want to preach to you this morning on that subject. Lovest thou me? Peter, do you love me? Jesus had proven his love not only for Peter but for the whole world. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 talks about, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did everything he could do to prove his love for us, but now he looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? The question for all of us this morning is the title of the message, Lovest Thou Me? Do you love the Savior this morning? Do you love God this morning? You know, God did everything he could to demonstrate his love to us, I wonder, what are we doing to demonstrate our love for him? I want to share with you several things. Number one, it was a personal question. It was a personal question. This question was not directed to all of the disciples as a group. Understand something. Everybody had been there. They'd already enjoyed, they had, many of them had enjoyed the meal. But now Jesus looks squarely eye to eye, face to face at Simon Peter. And he said, Peter, let me ask you a question. Do you love me? Do you love me? It was a personal question. It's really easy to ride someone else's spiritual coattails. It's really easy. Hey, it's really easy. <coughs> it would have been easy for Peter to kind of blend it in with the crowd, but Jesus got him by himself and he said, Peter, I'm not talking about all the other disciples. I'm not talking to John or Andrew. I'm not talking to Nathaniel. I'm not talking to, to, to Thomas. I'm not talking to anybody else right now. I simply want to know, Peter, do you love me? It was a personal question. He didn't say, Peter, are you part of the crowd that loves me? He didn't say, Peter, does your church love me? He said, Peter, I want to know, do you love me? Peter couldn't say, but Lord, I'm one of the chosen disciples. He, Peter couldn't hide behind his, his associations. He couldn't hide behind his peers. He couldn't hide behind his comrades. He couldn't, behind, he couldn't hide behind his, his group of people that he hung out with. No, he had to give a straight answer to a personal question. When it comes to our love for the Savior, we can't hide behind someone else's relationship with him. We can't do it. You see, your relationship with Jesus Christ is just one-on-one. -on -one. It's just you and Jesus. And the question this morning is simply this. Lovest thou me, Jesus asks. What is your relationship like with the Lord? You see, it's not a question for your spouse. It's not a question for your parents. Hey, <clears throat> you, you can't just pass this over your shoulder <clears throat> and say, well, you know, uh, uh, it, 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 this is not a group question. It's a personal question. Lovest thou me, Jesus said to Peter. Do you love Christ? It's easy to say, well, you know, we have a good marriage or we have a good home. And, and uh, hey, hey, kids, I'm asking you this morning. Do you love Christ? As Jesus asked Simon, Simon, lovest thou me? A personal question. It's not a question for your peers. Oh, but pastor, I'm part of the Lake Crest Baptist Church. I'm a member of this church. And boy, we're, we're, we're known as an old-fashioned, Bible-preaching, sin-hating, God-loving, uh, sinner-reaching church. And, and, and preacher, of course I love... No, no, he didn't ask you that. He didn't ask you about your associations as far as this world is concerned. You see, this isn't a question where you can hide behind someone else. You're not going to use anybody as a human shield when it comes to answering this question. It is simply this, on a personal level, do you love the Savior? 
many years ago, I was a, when I was a freshman in Bible college, man, I said many years ago, didn't I? Hadn't been that many years ago. Okay, yes, it has. But uh, I was a freshman in Bible college, and I was going through the registration line. And back in those days, registration at college was a happening. I mean, it, was, it took about 74 hours to get it done. Now they do it all online, and you're done in about 10 minutes. But, but uh, uh, well, I was going to the registration line, and, and there was uh, different stations where you would go, and different faculty members would meet you and greet you, and they would take care of certain parts of the registration process. And I, uh, I stepped up to a table, <clears throat> and there was an old gentleman sitting at that table, and his name was Dr. Carl Laurent. And uh, Dr. Laurent, he was a, he's a great man, a tremendous man. He's, he's been with the Lord now for several years. But uh, <clears throat> Dr. Laurent was probably, uh, probably well, I don't know how old he was at that time. But, uh, of course, I was 18, and so everybody looked old to me then. <clears throat> but uh, he's probably a young guy for all I know. <laughs> but anyway, but I stepped up to that registration table where Dr. Laurent was sitting. And, uh, and Dr. Laurent, he looked at my paper, and he said, he said uh, Kevin Deal. I said, it's Dale. And, uh, and uh, he said, uh, D-A-I-L. I said, yes, sir, just like nail and jail and pale. And, but anyway, uh, and he said, uh, he, he looked at the paper, looked at me, and uh, he, said, uh, he said, you're kind of a scrawny-looking kid, aren't you? And I, well, thank you, Dr. Loren. I love you, too. And uh, he, said, uh, he, said, he said, boy, I got one question for you. And I said, yes, sir. He said, do you love Jesus? I wasn't expecting that. I'm there to sign up for college classes. I mean, I'm in Bible college. I mean, what's he talking about? Of course I love Jesus. I mean, here I am. I'm in Bible college. Or am I not? And, you know, I've been called to preach, and, you know, I'm, I'm fired up about what God has for my life. Yeah, but that's not what he asked me. He said, son, do you love Jesus? It kind of took me back a little bit, and I said, uh, well, yes, sir. He said, good. He said, because if you love Jesus, you'll love it here. He says, and if you don't love Jesus, you won't like this place. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? <clears throat> but uh, I thought about that as I read this passage. Hey, do you love Jesus? I'm not talking about your associations. I'm not talking about your group. Jesus is talking to you. God wants to know, do you love him? It's a personal question. Number two, it was a provoking question. Not just a personal question, but a provoking question question. It was a provoking question because the implication was simply this. Is there anything more, Peter, that you love more than you love me? The provoking part of the question, Jesus said, hey, Simon, lovest thou me more than these? I'm assuming that the these were talking about the fish that symbolized Peter's former lifestyle. But whatever the these represented, it really doesn't matter because the provocation of the question tells us that, hey, could there be anything in your life, Peter, that you love more than you love me? That's a good question for all of us this morning, isn't it? Is there anything in your life that you could point to and say, you know, I, I don't know. Is there a hobby? Is there a pastime? Is there a person? Is there, uh, uh, is there a vocation? What is it in your life that rivals your love for Jesus Christ? Because whatever it is, or whoever it is, can I tell you something? There's no comparison. There's no comparison. It was a provoking 
question. In 1 John chapter 2, we read these words, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's not, that passage is not teaching that you're not saved if you love the world. It's saying that your love for God cannot rival or cannot be compared or cannot be rivaled by your love for anything in this world. It's a provoking question. What is it that competes for your love for God? What is it? What is it? Hey, I'm not saying it could, I'm not necessarily uh, saying that it's a bad thing. Uh, someone said, uh, told me one time, they said, Kevin, a good thing becomes a bad thing when it keeps you from the best thing. A good thing can become a bad thing if it hinders you from the best thing. And I don't know what it may be in your life tonight or this morning. I don't know what hobby it may be. I don't know what, uh, uh, what passion, what, uh, uh, what person. It could be a person. You know, the Bible talks about over in the Old Testament, one of the very, in fact, the very first commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And then he goes on and say, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods, little g, gods before me. God doesn't want to compete for your love. And by the way, God shouldn't have to compete for your love. God has done everything he can do. You know what? We love him because he first loved us, the Bible said. He proved his love for me when he died on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Hey, what more does he have to say? We just preached the message about the awesome, uh, unbelievable, amazing love of God just a couple weeks ago. And hey, because of that love, it ought to be reciprocated. It ought to be given back to him. It ought to be obvious. It ought to be obvious to the Lord that we love him. One of the great preachers of yesteryear, Dr. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said that I want to be so close to the Lord, I want to love God so much that when I look up to him in prayer and say, Jesus, I love you, I want him to be able to look down and say, I know, Charles. I know, Charles. You know, <clears throat> does God look at us and does God look at our love for him? Does God, or does God say, you know, his love for me isn't, quite there yet uh, I understand we all struggle I understand that there are things in this world that are distractions to us I understand that there are things that that we get caught up in if we're not careful <clears throat> there are things that we follow and and uh, you know I, uh, I I love sports and I love some, uh, some some other things and there's some things that I enjoy in this life and there's and there's people that I love dearly but hey nothing or nobody should ever ever stand in the way of your love for Almighty God by the way let me say this if your love for the Lord is what it ought to be You'll love people as you ought to love them. Hey, <clears throat> you want to love your spouse the way that he or she needs to be loved? Love God. Love God. The Bible says that love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, knoweth not, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Hey, it's impossible, husbands, for you to love your wife as she is supposed to be loved unless you love God. You can't do it. Because there is no true love outside of God. Let's go on. It was a personal question. It was a provoking question. I want you to see number three. It was a pertinent question. It was a pertinent question. It was a pertinent question in light of the fact that Jesus had just proven his love for Peter just a few days before. Just a few days before. 
Hey, Peter wasn't there. He did not see the crucifixion, or at least he didn't see it from up close. He may have seen it from a, from a distance. I don't know. But the Bible says that he, that he uh, denied Christ and he forsook the Lord and he went out and he wept bitterly after that episode of denying the Lord the eve before his crucifixion. But Peter knew what Jesus did. He knew what happened on Calvary. He was fully aware of the suffering and the agony and the pain and the shame. He was fully aware of the sacrifice that Jesus made. He was fully aware of everything that Jesus endured on the cross that day. And when Jesus sat Peter down and said, Peter, do you love me? It was a pertinent question based on what Jesus had done for him. Have you stopped to think about what happened at Calvary? Have you stopped to think about it? You see, I'm convinced that many times <clears throat> our apathy toward the Lord is because we stray away from what happened at Calvary. Our attitude, our lackadaisical thinking about our own spiritual condition, about our relationship with the Lord, <clears throat> our, our fervor for the Lord wanes because we don't think on purpose about what Jesus did for us. You know, if you'll make several trips to Calvary every week, it'll keep you close to him. Hey, if you'll revisit the foot of the cross, if you'll, if you'll kneel there in your mind's eye every now and then and, and, and behold the shame and behold the disgrace and behold the agony and behold the, uh, uh, the love that Jesus bestowed for us, it would cause us to love him a little better, love him a little more. It was a pertinent question. It was a personal question, yes. It was a provoking question, absolutely. It was a pertinent question, of course, but then I want you to notice finally the last thing. It was a practical question. It was a practical question. Jesus, was, Jesus wasn't just looking for a pat answer here. When he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He wasn't just looking for a, well, sure. Because that's what he got the first time. So he asked him again. Simon, lovest thou me? Well, Jesus, I, you know, he, this is not what the scripture said, but I'm sure running through Peter's mind was, didn't I just answer that question? <laughs> yes, Lord, you know I, I love you. I just said I love you, but that wasn't good enough either. After every question, after every answer, when Peter responded to the Lord's question by saying, yes, Lord, I love you, Jesus said this, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Or if I may paraphrase, Peter, I don't want to hear how much you love me. I, want, I don't want just to hear the lip service. I want you to prove it. In practical, everyday terms, Peter, I don't want you just to tell me, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, hey, I want you to show me how much you love me. I want you to live how much you love me. I want you to act out how much you love me. I want, I want, to, I want you to see, I want to see the passion in the way that you live and how you conduct yourself and what you do from this day forward. Don't just tell me, show me. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 8, the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course, he said, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. To prove the sincerity of your love. I believe that God is looking for his children to prove the words that we say. We sing the song, 
There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. And that's a wonderful song to sing. One of my favorite songs in the hymn book. But you know, God's not looking for lip service from us. You can sing that song with your lips, but not give evidence with your life. You can say and talk about how much you love God all the time, and it's a wonderful thing. And yes, we, we ought not be ashamed of Him. We ought to stand boldly and say, yes, I love Jesus. But our life ought to shout it louder than our lips do. My wife many times will tell our children when they say things, she'll, she'll say something like this. You know, actions speak louder than words. Yes, true. Our actions speak louder than our words. How do we prove our love? How do we, how do we go to God and not just pay lip service to, that, to, to, to what he's done for us, not just pay lip service to our devotion to him, but how do we prove to God we love him? Just a couple things will be done. Letter A. Number one underneath this, our obedience to his commands. How do I prove my love to Christ? Do what he says. <laughs> do what he says. John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> do what I tell you to do. Hey, that's a simple thing. That's not complicated. That's not, uh, uh, that's not rocket science. There's nothing uh, difficult about that. But Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Simply doing what we have been commanded to do. You know, I have a, a book up here that's, and you have this, that same King James Bible in your lap this morning. And you know, as you look through the pages and you find that God is saying, uh, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to live this way. I want you to live for others. I want you to, I, I, here's some commandments that I want you to follow. And in doing those things, what am I doing? I'm not just paying lip service to my love for the Savior. I'm saying, God, I love you by my actions. By my actions. Not only that, how do we show our love? How do we prove our love to the Savior? Not just by keeping His commandments, but our devotion to His cause. Our devotion to His cause. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than this old way of life? Do you love me more than this occupation that you used to have? Hey, Jesus was asking Peter if he meant more to Peter than the life that he used to live. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is Jesus more important to you than the life that you used to live? Is Jesus more important to you than alcohol? Is he more important to you than the old lifestyle? Is he more important to you than the hobby? Again, it may not even be a bad thing. Uh, obviously alcohol is sinful and, and, uh, and, and we understand that and, and the old lifestyle may have been horrible or, or whatever habits or filthy habits you may have had. Hey, I'm simply saying, is Jesus, does he mean more to you than not just the, the sinful past? But what about the present stuff? What about the other endeavors of life? You know, 
Do you love him more than anything or anyone else? Who is it that takes precedence over him? What activity gets in the way of your devotion to him? I'm simply saying our devotion to his cause. Jesus said to Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord. And then Jesus said this, feed my sheep. What was that? His cause. Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, then I want you to stay away from that old life and I want you to get back to what you were doing. Peter, let's get back to what I called you to do three years ago. He said, Peter, I've got some sheep out there. Of course, Jesus, the chief shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Jesus was the chief shepherd. And he said, Peter, I called you to a specific task. I want you to get back to it. I've got some people out there I want you to help. I've got some souls out there I want you to win. Hey, Peter, I've got some people out there, some lives out there that I want you to influence for my cause. Peter, if you love me, prove that devotion. Prove that love by getting back to what I called you to do. Our devotion to his cause, our obedience to his commands, and finally this morning, our care for his children. Our care for his children. Each time Jesus responded to Peter by simply saying, Peter, feed my sheep. If I may, Peter, if you love me, I want you to love the people that I love. I want you to care for the people that I care for. Hey, how do we prove our love to the Savior? Not just lip service. Oh, I'm all for the songs. I'm all for singing, oh, how I love Jesus. That's a wonderful song, beautiful song. And we ought to be bold about it. We ought to say it, and we ought to, to, to sing it with, with desire and with care and with fervor. But let's show it. Let's show it by our obedience to his commands. And let's show it by our devotion to his cause. And let's show it by our care for his children. Jesus said, by, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. If you have love one for another. Hey, that brother or sister in Christ is sitting next to you or across the aisle from you. Hey, that's his sheep. That's his sheep. And Jesus said, don't just talk about how much you love me. I want you to, hey, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to care for who I care about. I want you to have a burden for who I'm burdened for. Hey, Peter, don't just talk. Hey, Peter, I'm thankful Peter, I'm thankful that you say you love me, but I want you to prove it. I want you to prove it. Hey, powerful question. Lovest thou me? A personal question, a provoking question, a powerful question, a pertinent question, and a practical question. What are you doing to show God? Not just by what you say. What are you doing? How are you living your life to show him that you truly love him? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The message, of course, was to save people.